Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Today we're gonna we're gonna jump over to the western part of the state over uh, with Matt at the Ursa Farmers uh, Co-op territory over there, and kind of get an update on on how things are right now for this spring and and what the situation is today. Matt, you guys are unlike a lot of areas in the state. Um, you kind of got yourself into some pretty good rounds of water, I guess, or rain uh, with your early planting and a lot of other places where we're still looking for water. So give us a little background on, on what kind of issues you guys are dealing with right now. Yeah, so the, the rains over here have been kind of spotty. You know, we've been getting anywhere from a half inch to, you know, two inches or two tenths. So guys have been chasing around and trying to find the dry ground. But um, one thing that we've been looking at the past week has been some replant decisions on stuff that was planted um, the weekend of Easter and uh, the couple days following because, um, you know, there early April, we picked up four and a half to five and a half inches right after all that wow. stuff was planted Easter weekend. Um, and then we went 14 consecutive days where we didn't get any more growing degree units than six on any given day. So we were planted in good conditions and avoided the seed chilling right out of the gate, but then we sat in the ground for three weeks and stuff was struggling to come up. So you got past the seed chilling, but then it just went to pot after that. Yep. So anything that laid flat and wet or ponded, um, we're seeing low stand counts, um, sometimes down to low 20,000s, um, even down to 15,000 in some of the worst spots. So um, guys have still are, you know, probably only half to two thirds done with corn and beans over here. So picking and choosing on whether we keep planting some of our better ground, if it's, if that's what's left, or do we go back and replant? Um, so it's, it's been back and forth. There's been a couple fields over here that have been completely torn up and replanted um, already. So it, this year was kind of unique with the April 5th, 6th um, plantings. We actually got a chance to replant some of those in April still. Um, so normally we're talking about replant decisions in um, the end of May and June, but with $6 corn and $14 beans, we really got to get every bushel um, off of these acres. Yeah, and sitting here, you know, May 6th, so your replant decision is still going to be on corn, it's going to be 100% basically of yield, so, and and I, I think crucial in a situation like this, that you can't go off a stand count, right, you know, you need to be looking at projected ear count, so some of these that have been struggling to get up, you may have 25,000 plants, but uh, you may be looking at 18 or 19,000 ears, and Boy, uh, May six, you just can't, you just can't hang on to that. Uh, that needs to come out. Yeah, and we're, you know, as we're working through these decisions, um, Zach's going to put up a calculator and some worksheets on our website, croptechinc.com, um, that'll help work through some of these replant decisions. Um, you know, based on what your hybrid is, how many bushel per thousand you can expect out of your um, projected ear count stand compared to you know, how many lady mergers you're looking at that are, that may or may not be barren plants out there late in the season. So um, you can kind of estimate what your yield potential is right now. And then what's your yield potential if you replant on a certain date 
and make that decision, um, plugging in your replant costs and your price um, going forward. So using some data to make that decision rather than um, letting emotion drive that, whether you're going to tear it up, whether you're going to leave it. Yeah, I like the way you guys have redone our calculator sheets because you're looking at um, ear count versus population. Once you have the population and you look at the recount sheet, um, you can you can then say, okay, I have twenty five thousand or I have thirty thousand plants, but you know only nineteen thousand of them are within one collar of each other. It helps you select what will those nineteen produce because it's not a matter of of X amount of bushel times 25 per se. So um, getting yourself dialed into a realistic yield goal, and that's important now versus being the last week in May, first two weeks in June, when you're starting to, you know, you're sacrificing some top end yield. We can fix this. Um, unfortunately, that means we got to tear out that old stand when we make that decision. And there's a lot of options there to tear it out, but that's that's going to be uh, the other side of this equation is we're not going to stick corn next to corn in that field. So if we if we make the call to tear this out, we got to tear it out. And I'm guessing you're going to be a lot of patching. I don't, uh, do you have very many whole fields in this kind of shape or is it just areas of the field? Just, just a few fields that I know of and maybe more would come out um, if there wasn't dry ground to plant elsewhere um, and better fields to plant elsewhere. Um, there might be more popping up, but for the most part now, small acreage places that held water, but you're exactly right. And our calculator shows that, you know, if you were going to stick in 30,000 next to an existing stand of 10 or 15, then all of a sudden you've got a lot of plants out there to feed and not as many years as what you think you're going to have. So um, corn, we don't want to do that. Beans, you can kind of get away with it um and add some weed control a lot of times we don't add yield but we got some beans that have been coming up pretty tough too with the hard rains in early april we've got some crusting issues luckily we've had more rains to soften some of that crust for us um, but i think we're going to have plenty of beans in most areas it'll be small patching in type jobs on the bean replant front as well and that that's something too on the, on the calculators calculated sheets for our soybean replants. I, I like how we have in there. We actually have a premium in there for these early planted beans. So um, you're willing to accept lower bean populations if they were planted early with the potential to flower early, meaning that um, it's not weighted the same. So in April and early April planted bean, the stand is going to carry more yield potential then that same decision made, uh, in this case, two weeks in June, when you're trying to figure out, do I replant or not a uh, mid-May planted bean, meaning that these early planted beans are worth more. So if you can handle the weed control, we're better off to, um, to keep those beans, don't interplant into them per se, but to take those beans and, and take them all the way through. And that's adjusted for in the calculation sheet on whether we replant is, that's why we have a planning date as well those early beans get a little more credit, meaning we're, we're willing to take a little more, uh, a little less population than we would be later. Yeah, in a lot of cases, and you'll see it on the sheet, we can leave a stand of 100,000 down to 80,000, even maybe 60,000, depending on at how uniform that is. Um, but below that, it starts getting to the point where we pull the trigger on, on replanting. Right. 
And, and it also comes back to what's the weed pressure, right? You know, so is that a fairly clean field? Is it easy to keep clean or is it a, giving you a lot of fits? Definitely uh, it comes back to are these non-GMO beans? So what are your options to manage those weed controls? That all has to go into that decision. You know, over here, Matt, for the most part, we got some phenomenal soybean stands. We're just starting to see corn emerge. So I expect to see some pretty good corn emergence. Um, we didn't get a lot of corn planted around Easter. We did get a ton of soybeans in. And uh, the corn's a little slow, but it seems to be moving along at a, at a pace to where, uh, you know, if it wouldn't be for this next week coming, we'd, we'd see a lot of that corn staying up. But speaking of that, I, I look, your forecast is slightly better than ours, Matt. But man, is ours falling apart. You know, we went from one day um, uh, in the weekend at 39 degrees. I'm looking now, I have... Uh, three days at 39, two days at 37. Um, we gave a green light to planting. And, and at this point, boy, uh, this looks so much like a typical Mother's Day massacre on the horizon right here. I'm going to pull our planting window back to yellow at noon today. I think anything after noon today on Thursday is we are going to start to gear up for another Mother's Day massacre. And I I don't know what the deal is. Apparently, this is about our third or fourth time here in five years that Mother's Day is just not the weekend to be planting. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's looking like deja vu all over again. And you know, we've already had to deal with some replant decisions over here where we got four or five inches of rain followed by cold weather. Um, I think they're calling for one to two inches of rain out of this deal, and and not as the stretch of cool weather isn't as long. Um, but when that forecast flips one way or the other, if it, we get more rain and, and more cooler weather, that's when we can be right back to the same place. And then we're replanting the end of May. Yeah. And, and in this case, it looks like, you know, we're going to deal with seed chilling and that seed chilling happens below 50 degrees soils, but gets pretty aggressive below 45. And we're not going to, we're not going to hold these temperatures with this many days in a row going down on us. And, and I think um, our goal is to get this seed swelled. And, and then again, that's, that's probably going to be noon today. And after that, the hours are going to tick off where you're going to be taking on a lot of swelling in cold water. So you're going to deal with the seed chilling issues that we dealt with in the last three Mother's Day massacres. And I don't see any GDU showing up on our map till about next Friday. Um, so it's a, it's a tough call. And meaning that we got good planting conditions. We want to rock and roll, especially on Friday when the sun is shining. And we're not going to stop anybody from planting, but realize we're in a yellow zone, meaning that we expect that uh, we're going to get a lot of service calls. And I expect service calls from what we plan here today. Um, but anything afternoon today, it's probably going to be one where we're going to be out there scratching our head and running the replant calculator. Do we keep it or not? But we'll lose the value of time. Now, with no GDUs between now and next Friday, we're not going to gain a lot. Now, the, the good news, uh, I think, and probably the same in your case, Matt, is, man, we're in good shape over here. A lot of these guys are 100 to 90% done on soybeans, and a lot of them are 40 to 60% done on corn. So we really only need three or four good days to finish up a lot of planting over here. So that takes a lot of pressure off. You know, you can sit back and say, no, I'm not going to get myself in this mess. I'm just going to let this week pass and uh, maybe lick some wounds on machinery and whatever we got and then come back after it. Uh, 
come back after it, uh, you know, looking like probably going to be next Friday before we get we get to where we can get around some of this seed chilling and then go ahead and finish it up. And boy, there's nothing wrong with putting a week or 10 days in in gap in our planting window because that takes a lot of pressure off of uh, harvest, takes a lot of pressure off of scouting and doesn't get our whole crop caught in that same week when it comes to pollination scares me when these guys put the whole crop in in five days and then we have to deal with whatever mother nature throws at us because the whole crop is in this kind of the same window yeah and you know talk to a lot of people that have you know maybe one two three days three good days of corn planting left and if you look at the forecast it doesn't look like today and friday is going to be an optimum day to plant that corn if you can wait until the end of next week Hopefully we dry out and we have a little better forecast um, and we can get it finished up in a few days. Yeah, and the same with soybeans, you know, if they're not in now, you're probably not trying to get an early bean in anyway. So just just um, just wait for these conditions so we can get these beans up and out of the ground. And again, we don't want SDS to catch our, our last beans out there as well. So um, not very exciting at this point, but boy, I, I hate to not pay attention to this forecast. This could end up being a few tenths, but it could end up being a few inches. And then, uh, like I say, and then we're trying to figure out how to get this crop turned around, you know, and what's in the ground and a lot of it's got a half, three quarter inch sprout on. I think it'll be out before, um, before this soil, if we do get a heavy rain, before this soil crossed up on us and gets us in trouble. Looking at the insects, um, have you seen much in the line of insects over there, Matt, as far as... Uh, haven't seen much out in the field. Um, just digging the furrow, we've got some grubs that we've been finding. Um, haven't seen anything major that's causing issues yet. We're aware of the cutworms, the cover crop guys, um, and the armyworm guys. There's been a few, um, or the, the guys that are chopping rye for cattle feed. There's been a few fields of rye that got knocked down the last couple of days. So kind of be on the lookout for army worms moving, cutworms coming into those fields that were green a couple weeks ago. Um, I know Pike County was showing some significant black cutworm flights. Um, so expected cutting dates there were like the 25th of May. Um, so that's on our radar. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that little booger, that cutworm, we have traps here, of course, at the Corn College site. And and the ones that we have at the in the grass at the end of our um, uh, bean field, you know, last night I was checking the trap and, and it was uh, two uh, and you two, three hundred feet away in one of our cover crop blocks. We're catching 14 the night before it was two and 10. It's amazing how uh, how habitat draws those in. So anybody with a cover out there. Um, it's loaded with cutworm right now, so you need to pay attention to that. Even if you kill that cover off, or and I saw one guy yesterday working his cover in, um, that cover is is going to be uh, where the eggs are already laid. So they're not going to show up, like you say, till the end of May, um, but but they're ready laid. So think about your habitat out there, your chickweed, your henbit, and all that kind of stuff. If you don't have cover, and, and make sure your scouts are paying attention to this cutworm when, when cutting starts to take place. These bushels are worth a lot more this year, so we, we don't want the cutworm to get any, and they're easy to kill, so it's not like it's a major issue to handle those cut. We did run into a little bit of trouble with seacorn maggot this week over here. Uh, um, again, it was where 
typical sea corn, maggot, and soybeans, where you would incorporate manure or residue or something like that that would uh, uh, be basically um, burying some carbon that the, the fly would come in there and lay their eggs. And in this case, it was in a tilled field, but um, the sea corn maggot were uh, basically, we we're gonna have to do some replanting and they were wiping out the beans. These beans were treated, um, which we haven't seen seed corn maggot in beans uh, very often. Usually it's untreated seed, you know, or spring applied manure that got chiseled in, that type of thing. Uh, in this case, they were treated for bean leaf or uh, for sea corn maggot, uh, but it wasn't holding. There was, uh, you know, it was going to cause a replant. There's first planting of 144,000 or 140,000 beans, and we were finding five or six, I think, in just about every plant as far as taking them out. So if they got a bean field that's not coming up, don't assume it's cold weather and crust. Make sure the scouts are looking, especially if you had a lot of um, carbon out there. It's a lot of corn stalks or manure or something that you tilled down early and the uh, sea corn maggot or the fly got in there and laid those eggs. Saw a few soybean uh, bean leaf beetle this week. I expect that this cool weather will slow things down, but everybody needs to stay on top of that bean leaf beetle. Make sure it doesn't clip the arch as those beans are coming out of the ground. So what I'm saying is scout those fields, make sure that the slow emergence isn't just cold weather. Uh, it, it, could be, um, it could be other insects that are getting in the way. Good thing that this year about the bean leaf beetle is a lot of beans in the neighborhood have been planted early. So you're not going to be the only one with April planted beans that those bean leaf beetle will flock to. Yeah. Probably the other issue I took a lot of calls on is out of water. Um, now, most of them are coming out of Iowa. Talked to different people who had stopped the planter. Um, most of those were tilled, meaning they were tilled down four inches deep or so, and they just lost the water. And boys, we got to put this corn in moisture. So situation, if you can't find moisture, don't keep planting and wait for that rain to come through. A couple of guys are planting three inches deep. I get nervous planting corn three inches deep, but if three inches where the water is, you got to go there and get it. Uh, if you don't have a lot of slope and you can get away with it, sometimes I like to use a row cleaner and push myself into moisture. So I might push away an inch uh, and instead of planting three inches deep, plant two inches deep into moisture. That's a little dangerous, right? if you got some slope because you can get erosion. And it's uh, if you do get the big rain and you can cover that corn up, you cover the corn up right after planting, it's not too bad, but if you cover it up after it breaks the surface, it's, it can be a mess as well. Bigger question is, why did you run out of moisture? Keep these soil finishers tight to the corn planter. Don't, don't get out there a week or two in advance just because there's a forecast of rain. We know around here, forecast of rain is maybe a 10th. So, you know, keep things coupled up tight. Guys that have run the turbo tills and stuff like that, they broke the crust. They have a dry mat on top. And that works like a blanket because you broke the waterfront. It'll stay moist under there. Just don't worry about it um, and stay on top of it. But again, all the things you need to pay attention to in dry weather, keep your depth wheels tight against your disc openers. Don't let it fall in. Use a little more down pressure if you need to to keep your V-trench and we had a, a guys shut off their in-starter fertilizer in those dry conditions. If you're concerned about germination, uh, shut your in-starter, your inferral starter off. And there's some technology on the planter to help us tell when we're getting too dry, um, like with the smart firmer. If guys are running those, keep an eye on them, but don't take them to the bank as far as what they're telling, for, telling you for moisture. 
we need to get out, look, do our digging and dig our cross section to see what the moisture line looks like and where we're tucking those seeds in. So it's a good tool, um, you know, to keep track of where we are, but don't negate that and, and not go, go behind the planter and dig. We need to make sure we're planting, planting into moisture. Yeah. It, there's nothing better than getting behind that planter and dig and doing your cross section. This is a year you don't want air pockets. You don't want dry soil around the bottom of that seed. You can have dry soil up in the furrow a little ways, but it can't be on top of that seed. Uh, you don't want trash down in there either. Um, you know, so, but yeah, trying to get a, a, a green, a green line all the way across the field on your monitor isn't as good as going back there. And when that changes from yellow to green, make sure you go back there and dig and, and see where that moisture is at. Yeah, a little bit of attention to seedbed this year will be will be big as far as managing that and, and keeping yourself out of trouble. Well, we probably should wrap up. Uh, the Corn College registration is open. People are starting to sign up already, so that's kind of cool. Uh, Corn College is uh, August 3rd and 4th, and it's an in-person uh, live event, unlike last year. Last year, we had to go virtual with it. Um, this year we are coming back to the live two-day event and that's cool. We're excited about that. But even with that, last year's virtual event was a huge success. So we are going to continue with that. There will be a virtual event, but we'll have it in the winter, January 4th. People said in their response last year, especially a lot of new visitors to Corn College said they really liked it and they liked the virtual part. Um, so we're going to keep that. And a number of responses said it'd be nice if the virtual was in the winter when they weren't so busy. So we're going to follow through with that as well. So the virtual event will be this year, January 4th. So you can come to the live event or if that doesn't work for you, you can, cut, you can catch us on the virtual event. The virtual event will be very similar to last year. We'll give presentations and then we'll, we'll break it open for live Q&A so you can participate in that day as we work through the questions uh, and the process. Now, of course, the one-day virtual event will not cover all of the two-day event. It's not like we shrink it into one day. You're going to get portions of the two-day event in there. So it, there, it will be the same material, but it won't be incomplete as guys, uh, um, we can't get two days into one day from that scenario. Now, uh, the sign-up has started. If you sign up for the two-day live event, you automatically are registered at the same cost for the virtual event. So you, it comes with the two-day ticket. Uh, if you can't make the two-day event, or in case of our, our friends in Canada, unfortunately, I don't know if the border is going to open up in time, you'll at least be able to get to the virtual event. So you can do the virtual event. Or you can do the live event. The live event will get you to both uh, for the same price. So I, I think that'll work out pretty good for people. Um, we are going to have to follow the local COVID restrictions. So we're going to right now we're capped at 110 people uh, is all we can we can get in here for the live event. If things change, good or bad, we'll just deal with it at the time, uh, and and we'll do our best there to accommodate what whatever we hear from the from the local authorities. So uh, we're excited about that. So. Um, registration has started and we got the corn college beans planted, the corn is planted and we just come back with the normal planting of the beans. Uh, got some, a lot of cover crop strips and stuff like that that we'll be working on. The agenda will be on the website. So you just go to our website and 
click on the corn soybean farm journal corn soybean college and you can get yourself registered so well matt appreciate your time uh, hope things go good for you guys over there and we can get through this potential mother's day massacre and come out the other side and get back to plant yep sounds good thanks ken to stay up to date check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast boots in the field report keep her safe keep her moving